0: Hey, welcome to the Church on Boulevard Sermons Podcast, an extension of the ministry of Church on Boulevard in Richmond, Virginia. We hope that you'll find your time meaningful and that you'll learn to live life to the fullest as we grow together.
1: I'm struck by a quick phrase where it says, you know, Jesus is our Lord, He's our Savior, but He's also our treasure, He's also our treasure. And when I look at John 10, you know, and I reflect on the song we just sang, I think that's really what rose up in my heart is, man, how can I treasure Christ more? If you look in that last part of Be Thou My Vision, I guess it's stanza three. It says, riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now in all ways. Thou and thou only first in my heart. High King of Heaven, my treasure, thou art. You know. He's not just lording over me. He didn't just save me from my wicked, destitute condition. But he's also my treasure. He is the reward of my life. He is my value. He is my identity. He is my security. In my life as a Christian, isn't one of poverty, even though my life in this world might be, because I have Jesus' wealth. I have Jesus' wealth. So let me go ahead and read this little passage. It's John 10, 9 through 11. And then, of course, we'll hear from Drew. Um, It says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal... And kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Amen. As one expert says, sheep aren't necessarily
0: the brightest animals you'll find on the farm. Sheep get lost easily. If you let a sheep go, they'll wander aimlessly. Tim Keller tells a story about sheep. He says, you know, rarely will sheep be found in the wild. If you let a sheep go from their shepherd, they don't go wild. Like, you know, some animals just run off, like, I'm free. (laughs) And some animals that are domesticated will run off for a little bit and then come home. But sheep don't tend to do that. They just wander aimlessly, getting lost. One modern shepherding site warns, sheep cannot live without a shepherd. They are entirely dependent on the shepherd for everything. They require constant care and watching over. So leaving them unattended can put them at risk and greatly endanger their lives. If we aren't careful, we may assume Jesus was just talking to his audience Jesus was standing in a crowd of religious leaders, some of his disciples, and a man whom he had just healed from blindness. He had healed this man from blindness, but because he did it on the Sabbath and Jewish law regulated that you weren't supposed to do any work, let alone healings on the Sabbath, the religious leaders were upset with him and had raised a stir. And so Jesus is confronted by religious leaders. This recently healed blind man is standing right next to him and his disciples. And Jesus looks out at them and he says, you're all just sheep wandering aimlessly. You are seeking something to give your life order and meaning and shape and significance. The religious people Jesus could look at and say, you're doing it through all of your religious activity. But then there's others standing around Jesus who maybe weren't that religious, but what they were using in their life to try to keep themselves in line, to try to keep themselves from uh, wandering aimlessly, what they were using to control their life might've been their jobs or their social status or their physical appearance. Something to help them feel like they aren't just wandering through life, but their life has a meaning. Maybe the meaning is to look as attractive as possible. For the religious leaders, it might be to be as pious as possible. Do all the right religious things. And Jesus says, you're just putting band-aids on hatchet wounds. You're just wandering sheep. When you try to manage your own life... All that you're doing is pretending that you're a shepherd when you're actually a sheep. If you really want to find your life, if you really want to be free, you'll come to me. I'm the good shepherd. You see, if we aren't careful, we may assume Jesus was just talking to that audience But I think we ought to be a bit prodded by this as well. We too are prone to wandering aimlessly, right? We hurt ourselves, we hurt others, and when left to our own devices, we feel it. We also need a shepherd. Do you feel that? (laughs) We're like sheep. We all are like sheep, whether we realize it or not we're searching for a shepherd. We all feel a gap in our soul at a deep cosmic almost level. It's that thing in you that wants to be happy so badly, to be peaceful, to find satisfaction and fulfillment. One of the common cultural antidotes to this problem of feeling this deep longing in the pit of ourselves is to do what the people, what Jesus's audience was doing. (laughs) It's to say, don't pretend or pretend you're a shepherd. You're not a sheep. Don't act like a sheep, act like a shepherd. In other words, the antidote to the problem in our culture is to identify ourselves as the shepherd of our own life. It comes in pack- it's packaged in phrases like, "You do you," or "Live your best life." But are we living our best life? Let me ask you, do you feel like you're living your best life? Rather than turning to Jesus or religion, oftentimes in our cultural moment, we turn to a vague spirituality a sense of self-worth. I'll call it the, the Western secular gospel. And it sounds like really good news until it's not. You see, the Western secular gospel is different than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to focus on for the remainder of our time. That not only are we like sheep that are wandering around, but that Jesus comes to us as the good shepherd. And that in our cultural moment, we try to push against that. My wife and I like watching the show Queer Eye on Netflix. The show is about five men who are called the Fab Five. And they try to have a holistic transformation process with someone who's in need. So they will go to someone who is in rough shape Maybe they're living in a dingy old house. They don't have a job. And they will help them get their life together. One of the Fab Five specializes in cooking, another in self-worth and self-help and therapy, and another in uh, fashion and design. And so they they all come together. They spend a week with these people and they help them get their life together. And it's beautiful. My wife and I were just watching uh, a couple weeks ago and it struck me. This show preaches a compelling message. They do beautiful work helping people turn their lives around. In fact, it's one of the better examples of the modern secular gospel. And it sounds like good news until it's not. Multiple times during the show, the modern secular gospel will be evangelized through phrases like, you're beautiful, honey. (laughs) <laughs> you, you don't need to listen to anyone else. Don't let anyone else tell you what to do. In other words, you're the shepherd of your own life. Don't let some other authority figure come into your life and tell you what to do. I think one of our biggest struggles with Jesus is that he's a figure of authority. To view him as shepherd means we must be like sheep entirely dependent on him for everything. And that makes me really uncomfortable. I don't know how it makes you feel, but it makes me feel very uncomfortable to lose or hand over control of my life like that, mainly because I have been steeped in the modern secular gospel. Mark Sayers sums the modern secular gospel up like this. You are good. Trauma from your life, other people, cultural traditions, religion have corrupted you, flee from the sins of low self-esteem and unhappiness, anything that makes you feel bad about yourself. Get saved by coming back to your true self, finding that innocent child within, clean yourself up, work hard, create your own identity, be holy by setting yourself apart from any restrictions on your own autonomy. Let's think about that for a second. You could sum that whole gospel up in don't feel bad about yourself. Be your own shepherd. You do you. And there's some truth in that. We feel that. We've been in environments. These would be called more traditional cultures or environments where individual is pressed in on from external institutions and realities, family maybe, to be somebody that they're not. And that's not a good position to be in. And so there is good news in this. Like we do want to find ourselves. We do want to express ourselves individually, but also notice what's underlying this quote unquote good news. What's being proclaimed in shows like Queer Eye and all throughout our culture is something that I think is really bad news. It's unsustainable. Why? Because it means that our whole life revolves around figuring ourselves out. And notice the underlying value of all of this is that freedom comes when nothing else puts restrictions on us. The absence of restrictions are freedom. But is that really freedom? One author says that we, have so, we are inundated with so much information, so many options in our life that we experience what he calls the infinite browsing mode. I call it the Netflix effect. When my wife and I will make a pop, uh, pop some popcorn and we'll sit down on the couch and we'll turn on the TV and we go to Netflix and we're ready to watch our movie for the night or show or whatever it is. And we scroll and we scroll and we scroll because there's so many options. They're all free, but we aren't, (laughs) we aren't free. We don't know which one to choose. Oftentimes, one of us will get frustrated enough to just say, I give up and go upstairs and start reading a book. Have you ever had this happen to you? Yeah. Yeah, the Netflix effect, infinite browsing mode. It gets more serious when it comes to other life choices. When we aren't just picking a movie at night, when we're trying to pick out our career or our spouse, and there's so many options out there. And as soon as we settle on one, we wonder if maybe we made the wrong choice. Maybe this wasn't the right decision for me. Maybe I missed my calling in life or missed my soulmate. And so we get divorced or we leave our job or we reset or we restart our life. And honestly, y'all, I'm afraid that this is why we keep delaying adulthood in our culture. You know, people are... Are doing adult activities later and later in life, taking on less and less responsibility, serving less, helping other people less. Why? Because our whole life has begun to revolve around getting our life together, you getting your life together, me getting my life together. It shrinks your life down to being all about you. This message is too small for our souls. And while it begins in a really beautiful place, it sounds like good news to say like, oh, I can be the shepherd of my own life. Can we really do it? The secular gospel leaves me feeling like an aimless sheep, trying to shepherd my own life and failing miserably. I see this mentality turn more people into cynical, fatalistic types of people where they just believe there's no better reality out there. There's nothing but meandering around like lost sheep on this earth until we die. Huh. Look at the text again with me. Jesus says in verse nine, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved will come in, go out and find pasture. Jesus is beginning to articulate to his audience some real good news, (laughs) but it starts off and it sounds like bad news. Jesus is saying, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. I'm the entry point. You can only come through me to get into the reality of God. It's not like all roads lead to one place. You can only come through me. This exclusivity is, I wish I could go into it more right now. I wish we could talk more about why this is challenging. But let me suffice it to say like this. In our culture, we automatically assume that it is wrong thinking or backwards to limit our options, Jesus limits our options to him. But then look what happens. The only entry point is through him, through the narrow gate. But once we enter in, he says, you will be saved. You will be saved. You will be healed. You will be made whole. You will be satisfied. Wait a second. (laughs) So many of us have contemplated leaving the church because of messages like this. Because we've come into church and we've realized, I still have my baggage. It's still hard to follow Jesus. Good people still end up having bad things happen to them. Being saved ain't all that great. And so maybe Jesus was lying. Maybe he was crazy. Maybe this is all a myth. Or maybe, maybe we've misunderstood him. Maybe we've never really made him the good shepherd. Maybe we've entered through the gate, but then we live our life as if we're the shepherd and we're paying the consequences of it. I also think at this point, I need to just interject one thought, which is Jesus didn't come to make our lives easy. And we're going to get to that more in a moment. So if you are in that place where life is really painful right now, and you've given yourself to Jesus... I want to encourage you that it doesn't mean that he isn't real or the gospel isn't real because you're going through hard things. You see, that's actually part of the modern Western secular gospel that life will just be better if you just love yourself enough. But Jesus never promises that he actually says in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I, Jesus has overcome the world. In other words, what Jesus says is your best life possible. This side of heaven is with me. It's still not going to be as good as when you're actually in my presence, but it's going to be a lot better than wandering around aimlessly. Why? Because I'm the only one who can save you. Your job cannot save you. The fab five cannot save you. They're just in your life for a week and then they're gone. In other words, Jesus is committing to these people by saying he'll save them. And then in the text, verse nine, look at it. It says, they will come in and go out and find pasture. What does that mean? It means they'll come in. They'll come into a community of love. They will feel settled with God and God's people. And then they'll go out, out into the world out to be with people who aren't just Christians thinking like them (laughs) and they'll find pasture. That's nourishment. That's satisfaction. That's, that is feeling whole, confident. When you read about this in this verse in verse nine, you see that Jesus says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like sheep? That doesn't sound like sheep. If it were to sound like sheep, the verse might say something like this. They will come in and bumble around and eventually go out and get lost and start meandering and someone will have to go find them or they'll die. They'll find sudden death. (laughs) Rarely is a sheep going to find pasture, right? On their own. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like these sheep are being transformed into shepherds. Only a shepherd would have the wherewithal to come in and go out and find pasture. What's Jesus doing here? He's doing something really profound. He's giving us the gospel. He's saying, here's the good news. The good news is that I am your shepherd. I'm your shepherd. Before you can enter into that good news, you're going to have to deal with the bad news. You aren't the shepherd of your life. you can't be the shepherd of your life. You never were the shepherd of your life. It's an illusion. And to think that just having more technology and more options and more uh, freedom from restrictions is going to make your life better, look at the statistics that are rising right now of loneliness, depression, anxiety, divorce rates just tipped over the 50% mark. In other words, more people are divorced than staying together in America. Relationships are breaking down. People are personally breaking down with anxiety and depression. In other words, is this modern secular gospel working for us? I think Jesus would say, no. I think he would say, it's not. So you have an option. You could put all your faith and hope, you could put it in something else, politics. We've tried that, haven't we? Haven't we tried politics? We've tried politics. We've tried making politics our shepherd. What does that lead to? Strident, feuding, partisan efforts against one another, hardly being able to listen or come to any sort of healthy compromise that moves us forward. There's nothing wrong with politics being part of our life, but when it becomes your shepherd, you see when it's the thing you're completely relying upon, then it begins to break down how do we right-size it? How do we right-size whether it's politics or let me give a couple other examples. Sorry, some of us aren't very political. So let's, let's pick out a couple other examples. Maybe your job, your job. Your job becomes your shepherd. But what happens when someone else gets hired who's more competent than you? Is your job going to come help you get better, stronger? Rarely. They're going to let you go your own way. Fire you, whatever it might be. It's not an intimate relationship of a shepherd and a sheep. You see, Jesus cares for his sheep. Shepherds cared for their sheep. No other shepherd, in other words, will care for our lives and turn us from sheep into confident shepherds who come in and go out and find pasture. Nothing that we go to in our life can give us that because they don't have the power to save. But Jesus does. Jesus does. And here is where he shows us why, (laughs) why that matters, why it makes a difference and why we can trust him. It's right in verse 10 and 11. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And here it is, have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When the sheep could be left to aimlessly wander to his death, Jesus says, I'll die so that that doesn't happen to you. He's that committed to you living your best life, he trades his own for it. Do you know that you have a shepherd? And that shepherd is good. Do you know that you have a shepherd and that shepherd is good? That shepherd has all the power and yet lays it all down to protect you. Ronald Rollheiser is a scholar and theologian. He says that this process of coming into the care of Jesus as our shepherd, he calls it discipleship. And traditionally understood discipleship has three stages to it. Listen to this. Stage one is the struggle to get your life together. Stage two is the struggle to give your life away. Stage three is the struggle to give your death away. In other other words, Jesus's gospel incorporates getting your life together. It just doesn't make it the ultimate thing. The modern secular gospel says, get your life together but then the burden's on you. You got to figure it all out. You got to go through all the options, wade through all the options and figure it out for yourself. It sounds wonderful, but the fab five won't lay down their life for you. They didn't die for your sins. Jesus did. The understanding biblically, whether we believe this is true or not, The Christian understanding is that Jesus is utterly unique. He is the only person who ever claimed to be God and then died and rose again. And so we can trust his power. And then he takes us on this journey of discipleship that Rollheiser talks about, where we learn to get our life together. And for many of us, that's, you know, up until your 20s or 30s. Sometimes it's it's more delayed. Takes until your 40s, 50s, 60s. But traditionally understood, you're getting your life together during some of your adolescent years into young adulthood. And then life should take a shift. You should take on more responsibilities, get married, have kids. And in this season, you're going to learn how to give your life away. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus says, you know why it's not big enough for your soul to just believe in the modern secular gospel? It's not big enough for your soul because it's only about you. But I want to make your life about me and therefore it becomes about the whole world. The entire thing. In other words, Jesus says what the modern secular gospel gets you to, that's just phase one of my gospel. Phase one, get your life together. But you know what? Jesus's gospel is even better news than that because Jesus doesn't leave us to a bevy of options to just stumble through and try to figure it out. He actually helps us. He is the good shepherd who walks alongside us, who helps guide, who helps set boundaries around us. How does this work? You might say, we're going to talk about this in just a moment. There's some tools for how we can learn how to experience God as the good shepherd in our daily life, in our daily activity. And one of them we're going to use this summer as a church together. But what it really comes down to is living a life following after Jesus. Learning how to hear his voice. That's how he does it. He speaks to you. Jesus can speak to you. In the unique way that only you can understand. Earlier in this passage, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. You can learn to know to listen to Jesus, to listen to Jesus's voice, and to know His voice. And this is the gospel. You don't have to anxiously stay stuck in infinite browsing mode. Life is not just one big struggle to find yourself until you die. that just leaves you focused on you. Only Jesus in dying for you can offer you the type of life where you can then learn how to give yourself away. You see, it isn't safe to give yourself away without Jesus. If you give yourself to someone, maybe some of you have experienced this, you will often end up hurt taken advantage of, abused, if you give yourself to an institution, you will often end up neglected, treated poorly, used. (laughs) Anything you might give yourself to, and maybe this is why you're reticent to give yourself to Jesus, because you're like, that's just another authority figure. It's just another religion. Jesus' gospel is so far from religion. You know why? Because religion says you have to get your act together for God to love you. But Jesus says, I'm going to break myself down to show you how much I love you. And then you're going to live from that love, not for that love, out into the world to care for others. And in the same way that my death brought life to humanity, your death can actually be one of the greatest things that you give to the world. If you live following after me, your death can even mean something. And then on the other side of that death, you will be with me for eternity. When you begin to let this sink in, it'll transform your life. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, look at me, look at me. It will transform your life. When sheep are tended to and nourished by a good shepherd, their clumsy insignificance is transformed into poignant power. You don't have to transform your life. You don't have to figure it all out. You lean into God, and He will transform you as you do that. Here's what we're going to do this summer as a church we're going to learn an ancient tool called the rule of life. The term rule is a bit confusing to our modern ears, it comes from the Latin regula, meaning a straight piece of wood, a ruler, and by extension, a pattern, a model, or an example. And one author puts it this way, a rule of life then serves as a gentle guide that keeps you trained toward God. In this way, a rule of life is different than just goals or intentions or resolutions that we tend to set for ourselves. Those methods are task-based and measurable and they're often focused on what we do. But a rule of life, on the other hand, helps you become So while we're forming these habits, we're not forming the habits just for the sake of doing more work for God and doing more religious things. Some of the things we're going to talk about are going to be things such as, I want to have a rhythm of praying during my lunch break. But you're not praying during your lunch break to earn God's affection. You're praying during your lunch break to reconnect to the good shepherd. The motivation behind it is entirely different what we're trying to do is we're trying to build the habits that keep us close to the good shepherd. A rule of life helps you become, not just do. It's comprised of several simple statements that guide the posture of your life and the living of your days. It is not lived perfectly, but it can be lived faithfully while fostering within you an integrated and embodied life of faith. Here's what a rule of life is going to help us do. Over the course of the summer, as we develop our statements, as we try to live into it, as we develop new rhythms and new patterns, we're going to go from just getting our life together, which we're going to help each other do as well. (laughs) Some of us are in different seasons of life. And so some of us just need to be in the phase of getting our life together, figuring it out, and we'll help each other do that. But some of us need to transition into the phase of giving our life away. And that's what this is going to allow us to do. And as we experience that by being filled up with Jesus and giving ourselves to the world for his sake, we're going to experience the good shepherd at work in our life so that we can walk through life saying, oh, Jesus is my shepherd, my shepherd, and he is good. And he's transformed me into a shepherd who is good. Let's pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Church on Boulevard Sermons podcast. You can find out more about Church on Boulevard by going to www.churchonblvd.com.